Ooh, and so is Maya Fisher-French. Maya Fisher-French is a personal financial, uh, personal finance journalist, and she is the owner of a website called Maya on Money. She's a contributor across multiple platforms and helps to teach and elucidate and illuminate on issues of money and personal finance. Tonight, a really interesting topic of balloon payments. Uh, should you take a balloon payment when you are buying a car? Now, before we get into the nitty-gritty of this thing, Maya, what is a balloon payment? So a balloon payment um, is basically a residual payment or a lump sum that you pay at the end of your vehicle financing period, which makes your monthly installments more affordable. So let's take, for example, Bruce, this is the usual scenario. You walk into a dealership, you see the car of your dreams, but it's 500,000 rand. You do the maths, you can't afford those, reinst- those, those monthly installments. The dealer says, don't worry you can take a balloon payment. A balloon payment means that we will take off 30% of the purchase price, 150,000 Rand, and we will drop it off as a lump sum payable at the end of the period. So you are only having to uh, repay 350,000 Rand of the capital over the five or six year period. So that's really the concept in, in a nutshell. Why is it such a terrible idea? It sounds wonderful. You're getting to drive a 500,000 Rand car for five years for just 350,000 Rand. That's a bargain. It's a discount. Not. Absolutely. And every dealership in the country will tell you that. But of course, if you can do maths and you have a calculator, what you will discover is, first of all, you have 150,000 Rand that you owe at the end of the period as this lump sum. Okay. So, and everyone seems to forget about that until it happens. But also what we all forget is that that 150,000 Rand is not free money. You pay interest on it. So the interest that accrues that 150,000 Rand is actually payable every month as part of your monthly installment. So just doing a little bit of the back of the envelope calculation, you would pay about 48,000 Rand in interest um, by deferring uh, that lump sum. So that effectively, it makes it more expensive to buy the car. Um, And then, of course, Bruce, you get to the end of the period, not only have you paid this additional interest, but now you have this big whack of money and very few people have started saving for it. So either they need to sell the car to pay it or they need to refinance it, which means that you're paying a car off even over even a longer period, maybe eight, nine years by the time you finish. So my view, Bruce, on this one is, this is my personal view, if you cannot afford the car without a balloon payment, you cannot afford the car and that is the point unfortunately it is so enticing and so tempting because you work so hard Maya and you know what you don't need to be seen in that skadonk you need to be seen on your five minute commute in a much posher car in a 500,000 rand car you can't be seen in a 300,000 rand car um, and, and our egos get the better of us and uh, um, and, and the and the sales patter which is rolled out um, also supports our habits and I, I just look on social media and I uh, I, 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 I despair. I used to chortle and then I started despairing at people who post photographs of themselves in a motor dealership saying, oh, and, and, and yeah, my prayers have been answered and look at my lovely new car and a big bow has been put on the bonnet. And you go, why don't they just put a pair of handcuffs on the bonnet? Because there is absolutely no <laughs> doubt in my mind that this person has been convinced to go into a deal that is going to be prejudicial to their financial well-being over the longer term? So, Bruce, they generally start writing to me about 18 months into that deal. 
That's usually when I get the emails. And the email is always, can I hand the keys back? Uh, so, yes, it's completely and utterly true. Most people who, who go into those deals, once they start realizing it, and if you know what, Bruce, it's not just about that balloon payment. It's about the petrol, the insurance, the maintenance, and this realization that this car is costing you so much more um, than you realize it was. So it is, I, I see this this repeated over and over. And I have to tell you, I was recently happened to be um, in a Volvo dealership. I saw the new X, uh, um, XC60. It is beautiful. It is magnificent at 850,000 Rand. You, you, you have to take a deep breath and walk out. <laughs> no, absolutely. Because again, I, I don't know what sort of financing deal they would do on an 850,000 Rand car. Remember the days when you could buy a house for that. Um, uh, and, uh, and, you know, I suppose the bigger the price tag, the bigger the balloon, the bigger the headache, um, uh, you know, toward the end of that payment period. Absolutely. And, and I think for, you know, for a lot of people, you've got to look at your, you know, what is your value system? Do you have children you need to educate? Do you have a retirement you need to fund? Do you have other life goals? Travel. That's a big one now that COVID's finally lifting, you know, the COVID lockdown. What is this car going to cost you in terms of all the other things that you want to do with your life? And I think that understanding is perhaps where we can, you know, it's hard to deny ourselves stuff. I'm not, I like a good life as well, Bruce, but I've got to look and say, what is it that I want to spend my money on? If I'm paying so much money to the bank for on interest and balloon payments and all these other things, and that's not give, allowing me to meet all my other goals, then I need to be reevaluating this. So I think when you walk into that dealership and you're feeling overwhelmed by the temptation, think about all the other goals that you're going to have to sacrifice in order to have this car, which, by the way, as somebody once said to me, once your friends see it uh, for the second time, it is no longer a new car. Exactly, and it, it loses its uh, it loses its effect, whatever effect that you're trying to have on people that you're meeting and people that you're seeing out, because that's the only time you're ever seen in your car or arriving at your office and your colleagues going, oh, she gets paid more than me. I don't like this and goes complaining to the boss. <laughs> um, but yeah, don't get yourself constrained by balloon payments. Please don't do that. I've um, got a question this evening all about tax-free savings accounts. And it's, I, I'm a big fan of the tax-free savings account concept. Um, uh, and I'm, this is a question I've never considered. And I'm hoping you will answer it in a moment. Not immediately, Maya. If I get a 500 rand dividend on my tax-free savings account and reinvest it in a tax-free savings account ETF, will that affect my threshold? The threshold is the amount of money that you are able to invest in total in a tax-free savings account without um, to enjoy the full benefit of not having to pay tax on the returns on that money. That question answered by Maya Fisher-French, personal finance journalist and the owner of Maya on Money in a moment. So when you invest in a tax-free savings account, Maya Fisher-French, uh, re refresh my memory, please. It's a, a lifetime maximum investment of 500,000 rand as, as it stands at the moment, correct? Absolutely. And sadly, um, Bruce, we were hoping in the budget speech in February they would increase the annual um, contribution, but they didn't. It, that remains at 36,000 Rand. And, and that's a very important threshold to be aware of, because if you contribute more than 36,000 Rand a year into your tax-free savings account, you actually pay tax on those additional contributions of 40 percent. So so this reader question was was relevant because this reader is aware that if you go and put in more, 
then that contribution, it actually ends up costing you quite a bit in tax, which is, of course, the complete opposite of what you're trying to achieve in, in a tax-free savings account. Absolutely. So um, so the, you get a dividend or you, you get some dividends into your tax-free savings account that's paid to you and you reinvest that. It would affect you. It, it doesn't affect your threshold. The threshold remains 500,000 Rand, regardless of the source of that income. So no, so they, I think this the important one is the is the annual contribution of thirty six thousand rand a year. So if you if you exceed that, so if you make thirty six thousand rand, you put a debit order on maybe of three thousand rand a month. You don't want to be exceeding that. But if you get a dividend, that is or interest, because remember anything in investment that you have is is attracting probably dividend and interest. Um, as long as that is remains within the fund and gets reinvested in the tax-free savings account, it does it is does not is not considered a contribution. In fact, that's the beauty of it is that any dividend earned within a tax-free savings account is completely tax-free. So as long as you don't withdraw it from the fund. Now, say for example, you had an instruction on your ETF um, that said pay the pay any dividend out to my bank account. Now that would be a problem because that would go into your bank account. You'd receive the 500 rand and then you went and paid it back into the TFSA um, account, that would be seen as a contribution. But as long as you just simply tick the box that says reinvest all interest and dividends, no, absolutely it will not be seen as an additional contribution. A contribution is money that comes from your bank account into the tax-free savings account. That is that is what a contribution is, not any growth or dividends or interest earned within the fund. What a wonderful, wonderful little insight that is, Maya, because also by yeah, by accumulating the dividends over time, and it may not feel like particularly much in the first year, maybe in the first year you do get 500 rands worth of dividends, but then by the end of year two, you've gone from 36,000 invested, and there's been some capital growth to, say, 40,000, plus you've invested another 36, suddenly there's 76,000 rand invested in this tax-free savings account, uh, and your dividend payments go from 500 to 1,200. And you reinvest those with the next year's 36,000, and now you've got 110,000 rand. And money starts making money babies. Um, and there's nothing more satisfying than a money baby. You know, it's even more satisfying than a money baby. It's a money baby that doesn't attract tax. <laughs> <laughs> And that's exactly what, what it, I mean, I am, I think I love these things. I absolutely love them because what you can do, of course, over time is that this can become part of your retirement benefit. So you come to, to retirement and you can start drawing these dividends tax-free. You know, you just understand that right now, you know, you're paying 20, if you are outside of a tax-free savings account, you're paying 20%. On, on those dividends. So, so to me, it's kind of like a no brainer. For me, the first 3,000 Rand a month or 36,000 Rand a year should be going into something that lowers my tax bill. Really? I mean, like, I don't even need to go further than that. Why? Why not? Okay, um, and so, especially as you see, so we're talking about dividends, but I mean, capital gains as well. Obviously. So here is a, a slightly trickier question. I've only got 3,000 Rand a month. Should I be putting my money into the tax-free savings account or should I be putting the money into a retirement annuity? So a direct debit, either into a tax-free savings account or into a retirement annuity. The retirement annuity's advantage is that I get a tax break. I get I, I, I get given sort of the money tax-free to invest, um, but I will have to pay some future taxes on that money depending on how much I draw down on that in at some point in the future. Which is the best strategy to play in the scenario where I've only got that 3,000 rand a month, where I have to choose? 
I think it all starts, Bruce, with whether or not you have an existing retirement fund with your with your employer. So if many people, they're employed, they're already contributing to the employer's fund. You know, that that would then, you know, I would say the next step then would be to look at a tax-free savings account. Um, but if, for example, you're like me, <laughs> where I am self-employed, I, I definitely love to use my uh, RA as a tax deduction because when that tax bill comes at the end of the year, it's lovely to be able to say to SARS, actually, no, you can't have all of it because I'm putting some of it into, tax, into retirement annuity. So maybe somewhere along the line for that, there is also balance because I also do use a tax-free savings account as well because I think at the end of the day, you need to have that balance. When it comes to retirement, you're going to have those funds that you've benefited from uh, as tax deductions during your, your lifetime. Um, and there's, of course, there's a lot of rules around those. Uh, two-thirds have to be annuitized to, to provide you with an income. But then you've got this tax-free savings account that really supplements that, that gives you a lot more flexibility. Maybe you want to have a lump sum to buy that that car that you could never afford before, Bruce. Or you, you, know, you need to have that money and access to that money, or it creates some sort of income for you tax-free income in retirement. So I think using them, them together is probably one of the most powerful um, uh, retirement planning tools um, out there. Uh, absolutely. And the benefit, I mean, I, uh, and, and when, if you look at the, the possible growth, the capital growth over a 20-year period um, out of putting this the, the this amount of money away every single month, and I'm sure that 500,000 rand limit is going to be raised at some point in the future um, as, as a further incentive for us to look after ourselves. Um, the, the the accumulation of dividends and capital growth over time um, is, you know, the power of compounding is nothing short of extraordinary. And there, there are many, many case studies on that. Talk to me, please. In our, we, every week we, we choose a word that we don't fully understand and we get an explanation on it. The word I've got for you this week is chargebacks. What is a chargeback? <laughs> Chargebacks are wonderful things, Bruce, that very few people are aware of. Um, this is basically um, rules provided by MasterCard or Visa. So when you use a MasterCard or Visa card, if you have purchased goods or services um, and the merchant fails to deliver on those services, the merchant's bank has to actually refund you. Um, and the reason is that when a bank provides a merchant with a credit card facility, it is the bank's responsibility to ensure that the merchant is above board. So your bank, not the merchant's bank, would be able to claim from the bank that provided the merchant with access to the credit card system. So one of the most classic ones obviously would be fraud, um, where you'd be able to get a refund. But it can actually be used in cases where a business goes under, such as an airline. Okay, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> We've seen it used in concert tickets, for example, where a concert gets cancelled um, because the, the um, events organizer goes under. So this is actually all our online items that, that have not been delivered. And I don't think, Bruce, many people are aware of this. And you can actually go to your bank and say, please give me a form for a chargeback. And you can fill in the details and your bank will then make a claim against the, the um, merchant's bank and get your money back. I don't think enough people know about this and use it. I think it's absolutely brilliant, Maya, and thank you for drawing our attention to it because there's nothing more frustrating than sitting with a credit with somebody that you're not going to use in the short term or that you may never use or that you're going to forget about um, because, let's face it, there are, are lots of issues. Um, a, a quick question, Copano in Centurion. Uh, Maya's got a question for you on the threshold of tax-free savings account. Copano, your specific question for Maya, please. Yeah, uh, thanks, Bruce. Uh, I just wanted to find out from Maya if I have uh, uh, three different tax-free accounts, so the threshold applies as a cumulative of those three accounts. 
or is it 500,000 uh, 500, each? I only wish it was 500,000 each. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you very much. Um, yeah, I mean, the rules are pretty clear on that, aren't they, Maya? Absolutely, it's cumulative. So your total contribution over, so if you had 10 of them, um, you would have to divide your, your total contributions by 10. So unfortunately, but Bruce, very important, you can open up tax-free savings accounts in your children's names. So if you're a family of, of four, uh, you know, husband, wife and two kids, you know, you can actually basically, basically have four, um, tax-free savings accounts. So, and there, and there, each of them gets their own, um, their own limits. So you could, as a family be putting 144,000 rand away a year. So that's another way of kind of bypassing the um, that limit. And, so if, and, if you and, want to be putting more away, open a few in your kids' names. And those contributions, of course, are tax-free to the people that you're making those because there's a 100,000 rand threshold on uh, the donations that you can make to any person. Um, so you can make a donation to your spouse. Um, you can make a donation to each of your children uh, at 36,000 rand a year. There's no tax consequence for them for that donation. You don't have to pay any tax on that donation and they get the tax-free savings benefit over a period of time absolutely and in fact you can donate the donations tax doesn't even apply to your spouse this so you could have uh sort of i think it's only when you had four kids that you probably have to start watching how much you you're putting into each of their accounts i, I mean look, if you if you're putting if you've got four kids and you're paying their school fees and you're feeding them and you're clothing them and you're giving them holidays and you and you and you're living a life and you're still putting thirty six thousand rand into each of their tax-free savings accounts every year you're not paying enough tax. Um, anyway, that's just... <laughs> Maya Fisher-French, always lovely to have you. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Personal finance journalist at Maya on Money, Maya Fisher-French.